This is the Prosper Stronger Podcast, a community where LDS women gather to cultivate covenant connections and strive to be devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, and welcome to Prosper Stronger. In this episode, we are covering the next principle or next idea that is associated with the scripture we hear so often in the Book of Mormon, especially, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. But if ye keep not my commandments, ye shall be cut off from my presence. So in the last episode, we dove into the idea of keeping the commandments and what that really means. And I know I got kind of carried away with that because I am so passionate about it. It is what Heavenly Father wants us to do. It is our path to Him. And so keeping the commandments is huge. That's how we get back to the tree. That's how we can qualify to receive all the power available to us through the atonement of Jesus Christ so that we can return to live with our Heavenly Father. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you might want to jump back there. I will likely refer to it here in this one. So today in this episode, what I want to explore a little more is this idea of the land. What about the land? Let's just take that word, that idea, and dive into it a little bit. So when you think of the word land, what comes to your mind? Maybe you're thinking of the home you grew up in, in a backyard, or perhaps a farm, or a mountain, maybe some scenery of somewhere you've traveled, or a hike you've been on. A lot of times I think about perhaps owning land. What does it mean to own land? Or maybe an island, right? There's a lot of different ideas that can come to us when we think about land. But when I look at the scripture and the use of land here in this particular scripture, to me, it's got more meaning. There's a covenantal language to it. And I think about it as the promised land. That is where Nephi and Lehi were told they were being led. They were being led to the promised land. So he's saying, if you keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the promised land where I have led you. So promised land to me and this whole scripture around it, it's all covenantal language. Heavenly Father desires to give us the promised land. He wants to get us to the promised land. And we've seen this throughout history, through all the scriptures. We know that for Abraham, he was covenanting with the Lord and the Lord was giving him a promised land. And maybe all of it wasn't fulfilled right away, but Abraham went through a journey. He traveled. He was in a wilderness as he journeyed with his family until he came back and eventually came to where he would dwell in his promised land. Then his descendants, we know that we have Abraham, then Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's son Joseph was sold into Egypt and he basically left that promised land and was sent on a journey of his own that involved so many different learning experiences, so many times when he was able to prove to the Lord his faithfulness, and that the Lord was able to make of Joseph's life something far greater than I'm sure Joseph or his brothers ever imagined, especially his brothers. So Joseph journeyed and came to the land of Egypt. And then of course, hundreds of years later, we have Moses, who was called by God to come and free the Israelites to liberate them from the bondage where they were in Egypt. And he did this. We know we have that history, but then as they left, we actually have in Exodus, this is chapter 13, where it reads, it's in verse 18, and it reads, God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. 
And I think that this idea of the wilderness ties in with the idea of the promised land. They have to go somewhere. They have to take this journey from point A to point B. So they leave wherever they were originally from or wherever they originally started, the land of their inheritance or the land of their bondage, in the case of the Israelites. They leave that, they go into the wilderness and then are led eventually to the promised land. We see this also with Lehi and Nephi. So they leave what had been the promised land for the Israelites. They leave Jerusalem. They are led into the wilderness and they travel and are promised a new land. We see it also with the Jaredites. We see it with the Latter-day Saints, the early saints, as they traveled the wilderness. So let's take a look at some of these things and lessons we can learn about this idea of the journey through the wilderness to the promised land. Now, the Israelites we know, they were led and freed from bondage by Moses across the Red Sea into the wilderness. And while in the wilderness, the Lord was trying to teach them. He wanted them to become his covenant people. He gave the law to Moses, but the people were afraid. And then they behaved in a manner that showed that they were not ready to receive the higher law, to become his covenant people. So they received the lesser law, but he still had a covenant with them. And he kept trying to teach them over and over and over again, that if they would be faithful to him, they would become his covenant people. And he promised them prosperity. There's that word, prosperous, prosper. He promised them prosperity. He promised them protection. He promised posterity. He promised the land. And there's more, of course, to the covenant, but all of those things were promised, but it all came down to them keeping the covenant. And so they came up to the land of Israel, the land of Jerusalem, and they were afraid. They weren't willing to trust in God enough to actually enter the land. And so then they were sent back to travel and traverse this journey in the wilderness for 40 years, 40 years for them to learn to trust in God. 40 years for them to become a people that was worthy and ready to enter the promised land, to become covenant-keeping people. And that, to me, is such an example of what our wilderness is and this whole journey to the promised land. All of it, the whole purpose of the journey in the wilderness was for them to learn to become a covenant people. So we know throughout the scriptures that God has said, that he will have a covenant people. And he has shown us how. He's giving us story after story of how we can follow the example of those that went before us to become his covenant people. For example, let's take Nephi. Nephi here, this is 1 Nephi chapter 16, verse 9. Actually, it's 8 and 9. And this is after Nephi and his brothers have gone back and gotten the plates. And then they went back and got the family of Ishmael. And then we actually have the vision of Lehi and the vision of Nephi. And even the vision itself and his example of a journey, the journey of traveling to the tree of life and staying on the path, holding fast to the rod of iron, and then choosing to stay by the tree rather than journey over to the great and spacious building where people are lost. So that in itself is a journey. The Lord loves using journeys to teach us. And we are, like I said, already on our own journey here, every single one of us. So we need to study and understand these journeys. So again, back to Lehi and Nephi. So they've had all of this happen. And then in verse eight of first Nephi 16, we hear, and thus my father, that is Lehi, uh, Nephi speaking, and thus my father had fulfilled all the commandments of the Lord, which had been given unto him. So going back, right? The 
scripture is, if you keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land. Well, here we're being taught that Lehi and Nephi had been keeping the commandments to the best of their ability, keeping the commandments that they'd been given. All right, going on, he said, and also I, Nephi, had been blessed to the Lord exceedingly. And then verse 9, And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord spake unto my father by night and commanded him that on the morrow he should take his journey into the wilderness. And so here they are. They've already been three days journey from Jerusalem. They, I, we don't know how long they've been there, but we know a lot of the things that have happened. And now he's being commanded, hey, tomorrow, get up and take a journey. You're going now into the wilderness. That's a pretty quick assignment. Tomorrow, get up, go tomorrow. And sometimes in life, don't we feel like that? The Lord puts us on a path and we're given a journey that happens suddenly. Like when my mom was diagnosed with cancer that, you know, I went to school one day, came home and that night, everything changed. Um, Same thing when she passed away, got up, got ready to go to school in the morning. And then she passed away and my whole world changed within just a few hours. If you ever had people that had been in a car accident or had maybe something happened at work, something happened within the family. When my husband came to me and told me he was done with the church, he was leaving, he didn't believe anymore, my whole journey changed in that moment. I know you as well have had situations in your life. You've had experiences and you will continue to have experiences and so will I, where the Lord is calling us to take our journey, to enter into the wilderness, to have the courage to trust him and to travel with him take our journey. This is the nature of life. And Lehi saw this and Nephi saw this. But one of the beautiful things we have that we know to comfort us and to help us is that the Lord does not leave us alone in our journey. He is there to help us and to guide us. We see this from the Israelites. This is in Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22. And it reads after now that they have left Egypt and they're in the wilderness. He says, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and by night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night. He was with them all the time. He was there leading them all the time. And that's how it is for us. We also see this with Nephi and Lehi. So after Lehi gets that commandment to get up the next morning and take down all the tents, pack it all up and go on the journey. Well, the next morning he wakes up and what is on the ground? The liahona. I'm, I'm holding my hands here because, you know, we know it's shaped like a ball. So he gave them the liahona to guide them and direct them on this journey into the wilderness. But going into the wilderness, it can be scary. It can be hard. It can be a lot of suffering. There's a lot about the wilderness that we don't like. I don't know about you, but I enjoy camping. But I don't like camping if I don't have all the things that help me be comfortable and feel safe. My tent, a fire, a nice sleeping bag and a cot, a good pillow, all the food I want, all the the mosquito repellent to keep those nasty beggars off. And everything that I feel keeps me safe from what is in the wilderness. And I know I've had many a night, sometimes out camping and other times. There was one time when I was traveling with the ballroom dance team and we were in a country that was known to be different, quite a bit different from the United States. And I remember we were in, I wouldn't say that it was a hotel. I actually think it was a dorm that had been opened up for our team. And we were in a room and I could hear the noises outside. And I could see that across, I guess you could say across the campus or across this big courtyard area, there was another group of young adult people and mostly young men. They appeared to be drunk. 
and very loud. They were engaging in a lot of celebratory, just kind of raucous behavior. And I happened to know that they had seen me and my team members come off the bus and enter the building where we were. I also knew that the door to our particular room where me and there were two other team members, young women, young adult women, and there was another room as well. Uh, We happened to have the tour guide with us. And even though she was in a separate room, it was connected to the main doorway. And I happened to know that she was not in her room and she had left to go do something that evening. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew that the door to our room was unlocked. And I felt so concerned and so worried that those young men in their drunken state might come and try something, might attempt something, and that they wouldn't have any problem getting in. And this worry was extreme. I don't think I slept that night at all. And I think sometimes that's how we are in our wilderness. We have so many worries. There are things happening around us that are concerning to us, and we don't feel that we have much control. We don't have protection. We don't know. Sometimes it's that fear of not knowing what might happen or or what could happen that causes us to be paralyzed, causes us to be stuck in our wilderness. And sometimes we have to make it through the night. But I will tell you, the next morning, the sun came up and we all were able to clean up and leave that dorm. I didn't have to go through another night there. And I was so grateful that we could get on the bus and move on. And I was extremely grateful for the next night when we were in a hotel and the doors were locked and I could rest peacefully. And we were still on our trip, on our tour. The journey wasn't over, but it's kind of like that in life. We have nights, we have times when we are just overcome with fear and with worry. And then we can keep going. We get up and the sun is there. We travel on and things get better. And that's how it was for all of these that were examples to us, Nephi and Lehi, the Israelites, the Jaredites, the early saints, So if we go back to Nephi, he had a similar thing happen to him. There they are. They got the Leahona. It's showing them where to go. They have the direction they need. And then just a few verses later, his bow breaks and all the bows of his brothers have lost their string, right? They can't use them. And so all of a sudden they're they're struggling. They're doing what the Lord commanded them to do. He said, take your journey into the wilderness and I'm going to show you the way. We already know they've kept the commandments and yet it's still really hard they've got a broken bow. They have no way to get food. And they are getting very hungry and very concerned to the point that even Lehi starts to murmur. Our journeys like that, that sometimes we think, are you even there? Heavenly Father, are you listening? Are you answering my prayers? Do you get that this is really hard for me? Why is it hard if I'm doing what's right? Why is it hard if I'm keeping the commandments? Isn't my life supposed to be easy? But no, that's not really part of of the plan. Because if it were easy, we wouldn't grow. We wouldn't learn. We wouldn't become who God needs us to be. And thank goodness for Nephi, who recognized that murmuring wasn't going to help, that he needed to actually do something. And so he did. He prayed. He stayed faithful. He built a bow. He created a bow. And then he had the humility to go to his father, who was murmuring, and honor and respect his father and his role, and the power of the priesthood, and his authority to go to him and ask, where should I go to get food? And Lehi then repented. What an amazing lesson that we can apply in our lives to 
even though it's tough, even though it's hard, I know it had to have been hard for Nephi as well. He must have been equally hungry, but he didn't stop putting forth the effort. He didn't allow himself to be thwarted, to be stopped, to stop the progression. He kept going forward in faith. And because of that, their problem was solved. The Lord directed him where to go to get the food. Because of that, his father Lehi learned a valuable lesson and Lehi became a better person. We have so many things we can learn from this example in the scriptures, and I could go on and on, but I won't. But we can see that the Lord was still with him. He still had to put forth his his effort. He had to do his part. And that's how we are. We have to keep moving forward in faith. We see this also in the story of the brother of Jared. We know that they traveled, that the Lord helped them, that they were in the wilderness and they had been promised they would receive a land and be led to a land that was special and created and prepared just for them. And then they had to build a boat. They had to build the barges. And as they built the barges, there were some problems. And the brother of Jared said, what do we do? We need light and we need air. And the Lord said, no problem. I'll take care of the air. Here's what you do. But then he said, now you need to go figure out what to do for light. And so the brother of Jared went and got the stones and took them in that tremendous faith to the Lord and said, touch these stones and we will have light. And what happened? Because of his faith, he saw the Lord, but he also was taught a valuable lesson. And we get it in our scriptures in Ether. So in Ether chapter two, there's a lot that we're taught here. We know that the Jaredites are been commanded to build these barges and they need to be tight like unto a dish. And that's a whole nother different topic of being tight, meaning we cannot be penetrated, that we are protected, that we live our lives so that the attacks of the adversary, the waves will not break us. The water will not come in and sink us. So we won't go down that road today, but we know that they're commanded and he's taught them. The Lord taught them how to build them tight, like unto a dish. But then again, he goes and says, okay, what about air? What about water getting in? And this is in verse 24, the Lord teaches the brother of Jared. He says, for behold, ye shall be as a whale in the midst of the sea for the mountain wave shall dash upon you. Nevertheless, I will bring you up again out of the depths of the sea for the winds have gone forth out of my mouth and also the rains and the floods have I sent forth. So here we're seeing, oh, the winds, the rains, the floods, these come from the Lord, not to punish us, but to help us, to teach us to give us experience. Then he goes on in verse 25, and behold, I prepare you against these things for ye cannot cross this great deep, save I prepare you against the waves of the sea and the winds which have gone forth and the floods which shall come. So he's teaching us there that even though we know we will face these things, the winds, the waves, the floods, that the Lord is preparing us. He will prepare us and he is preparing us. He will teach us and help us And he will not send us these waves and winds if we are not prepared for them. So isn't that a comforting thought? I love this passage. I love this story here of the brother of Jared, because so often I think I feel like I can't do what the Lord wants me to do. I can't face the challenge that I'm faced with. I can't handle the suffering. I can't handle the pain. And yet here he's teaching us, no, this is part of the journey. And yes, I will prepare you. I have prepared you. No, I will not leave you alone. Yes, I am here for you. All of these things, he is helping us. The Lord will not leave us alone on the journey. We saw that with the Israelite. 
We see it with the, the Liahona. We have it here with the brother of Jared. And as we know from our continued study in the book of Ether, the winds did blow the brother of Jared and all those with him toward and to the promised land. We know in the case of Lehi and Nephi, it was the same. God gave them a commandment. He told them he would lead them to the promised land, and they had to journey through the wilderness. So the broken bow, that was just part of their experience. We know that eventually, after at least eight years, they made it to the land Bountiful. And this land was called Bountiful because it had everything they needed. It had food, water, it was beautiful. And I'm sure they thought, this is wonderful. This is marvelous. Here we are. We've made it to this promised land. After eight years, I'd want to stay there. I don't think I'd want to be leaving it anytime soon. And yet, the Lord then commanded Nephi to build a ship. His journey wasn't over. There was more to be done. And I think that's true for us. I look back on my life and I think, oh, there were times I thought that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Surely, and and I'll admit, I thought, okay, ah, having my mom have cancer and watch her suffer for five years and then having her pass away. I mean, that is a big trial for anyone. It's especially a big trial for a child, for someone still living at home to lose their mother. I thought, this is it. This is like my golden ticket. I've had my big trial. So all the rest of my life shouldn't be too bad. You know, I'm good. I've got like a free pass now. I actually thought that. I thought, good. I got it over with. The rest should be smooth sailing. (laughs) It was not. It has not been. But I will say there's been so many times of great joy and I've learned so much along the way. But I just laugh at my naivety to think, oh yeah, sure. That one trial, that's it. I'm done. I'm good. I proved myself. Obviously, from what I've shared with you already, that's not the case. I'm still in the midst of an even bigger trial. So I wonder sometimes if Nephi thought, what? We did it. We made it. Hooray. And they rested and got to spend time in the land bountiful. But then it was, all right, okay, now you're ready for the next one. And for me, crossing the ocean would be an even bigger trial. It may have been faster than eight years, but I am not a fan of the ocean. I like looking at it. I like being on the beach. I like seeing it. I can appreciate it. I like learning about it but I don't love being on it. I actually have a phobia of the ocean. I didn't know I did until I was 11 years old and we were snorkeling and uh, got a little too far away from the shore and had experienced something I'd never experienced before, which, which was this panic, real panic. And anyway, that's when I learned, oh, I have a phobia of the ocean. Anyway, so maybe I'll share more of that another time. But to cross the ocean would be an extreme challenge for me to even enter the boat would be an extreme challenge for me. But Nephi, he was commanded to build a ship and he didn't say, oh, I can't do this. Oh no, this is too hard. Hey, I've already gone through the wilderness. Isn't this kind of enough? Instead, he prayed and he said, okay, great. Uh, Where should I go find ore so I can make the tools to do this? And I love that example. And I've tried to apply that more, that when I'm faced with a challenge, when I'm faced with another journey to say, okay, all right, Heavenly Father, help me take what you've taught me, help me take the talents and the gifts, the skills, the abilities that I've been striving to increase and to learn and to become in my life. Help me understand how to apply those on this journey, just like Nephi did. So if we go back to Nephi, we go to verse 13 in First Nephi chapter 17. He's been commanded to build the ship, gone and 
asked where to get the ore so he can make the tools. And then he said, you know, he also has to make a fire. He has to make a bellows because up until that point, the journey through the wilderness, the Lord had made their food become sweet, but also this, and I love this in verse 13, he, the Lord had said to them, I will also be your light in the wilderness and I will prepare the way before you. Okay. So we've heard that before with ether, right? And with the Israelites as well, I will prepare the way before you. If it so be that ye shall keep my commandments. So there it is again, like we talked about last episode. If you keep the commandments, wherefore, inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall be led toward the promised land. So there it is. Keep the commandments, promised land. And ye shall know that it is by me that ye are led. All of this comes together. He is telling us to keep the commandments. He's taking us on a journey toward the promised land, each of us individually. And he is there to lead us. And if we will let him, we will know that he is leading us. Isn't that a marvelous promise? And he will. I've experienced it in my life. I look back on the journey of my life thus far, and I can see that the Lord has been with me. When I go to him, when I put forth the effort like Nephi, the Lord blesses me and sustains me and helps me, but I have to open the door. I have to ask. I have to do the work to let him in, to let him lead me and guide me. We saw that with the Israelites. He was there. He was ready, but they weren't ready to let him be their leader. They weren't ready to let him be their God. They weren't ready to be his covenant people. So that's the question I'm asking you. Are you ready? What in your life maybe do you need to change so that you can be his covenant daughter, so that you can be led more fully by him, so that you can feel his strength, so that you can embark or endure the journey that he needs you to be on or that you are currently on so that you can receive the promised blessings and arrive at the promised land that he has in store for you. I love the quote and I, I don't have it before me, but the one that is, if we will turn our lives over to God, he will make more out of our lives than we can. I love that. And I have seen it in my life. And I think we see that here with Nephi, even though Laman and Lemuel, and just a few verses down, after Nephi says, he says, I, Nephi, did strive to keep the commandments of the Lord. He said, strive. He didn't say he was perfect. He was striving. So I love that too, because I'm not perfect. I'm just striving and you're striving. We're all hopefully striving together. So Nephi was striving. And as he did so, he exhorted his brethren to faithfulness and diligence. And then what happened? Laman and Lemuel show up again. And what do they do? They begin to murmur. And in verse 17, they say, our brother is a fool. For he thinketh that he can build a ship. Yea, and he also thinketh that he can cross these great waters. Do we ever get that on your journey? Do you ever get that mocking or you people that tell you you're crazy or you're foolish to think that you can do the things the Lord needs you to do? I think we see it all around us. Mocking is such a huge, huge thing in the world today, tearing each other down like crabs, pulling each other down from the bucket so we can't succeed. I feel like this is part of our battle that we're facing, that there are those that on one hand are saying, rise up, go into this personal development world, right? Life coaching and all of these things, turn to God, become all you are designed to be and use all these amazing tools, your mindset, 
the exercise, take care of our bodies. We have so many, many things and knowledge and mentors, so many teachings available to us to help us to rise up and become way more than we ever could. I was actually just at an event where we were talking about the leaders like Napoleon Hill, the writers who teach us think and grow rich, you know, the laws of success, how to use our minds, how to use our will, how to use our agency and to really create and become all that God intends us to be. But it's done more in a worldly way. But we have this message being sent. And then on the other hand, which you can't see because the microphone here, it is. on the other hand, we have people saying, you can't ever do this. What are you thinking? There's no way. You're not good enough. Oh, we're putting all these limits on you because you are a victim. Victimhood is huge. And we all fall prey to it sometimes. And a lot of times we fall prey to it to ourselves, to our own minds, the things that we say to ourselves, I'm not good enough. There's no way I could possibly do this. Why would the Lord ask me to do what he's asking me to do? Or you receive a calling. I can't do this. You should call so-and-so. They're way better. I can't do it. Why should I have to speak in church? I'm afraid to even, you know, talk to myself in the mirror. We often talk ourselves down and then others talk us down as well. I have felt it. I felt it even in the last few months as I've tried to answer this prompting and feeling that I had to do the podcast. It has been an emotional and mental and spiritual battle that has been more intense than almost at any other time in my life. I have felt the adversary attacking and I've fallen prey to it sometimes. I've given into it and I've had to turn to the Lord. I've had to go to the scriptures. I've had to get on my knees to be reminded that the Lord is with me, that he is leading me along in this journey and he will do it for you. We know that Alma teaches so beautifully about the Liahona, about how things happen through small and simple things and that the Liahona only worked for Lehi and his family when they hearkened to it, when they heeded what was written on the Liahona, when they followed it and when they kept the commandments, when they were murmuring, when they were arguing, it didn't work. And it's the same for us. We have to continue in faith. We have to press forward with faith, even when the world or when we ourselves are struggling with our own belief in whether or not we can do it, whether we can endure the challenge that we are facing, whether we can climb the mountain, whether we can continue on in the journey through the wilderness to reach the promised land. And sometimes we ask ourselves, is the promised land even worth it? I'm guessing that we know for sure Laman and Lemuel were asking that question. But did Nephi ever have times like that? I, I wonder. I bet he did. I know I do. And yet, when they arrived at the promised land, they knew. He knew he had been led by the Lord. And they saw how marvelous it was. And it was more than just a little patch of bountiful on the seashore. That land would never have sustained them long enough. It would never have provided for their posterity. There simply wasn't enough there. The Lord knew that they needed more. And that's what he knows for you and your life and your posterity. He has more in store for you on your journey through the wilderness, the wilderness that is our earth life. He is there to guide you. He is there to help you. He knows it's going to be a struggle. That's part of it. And that is okay. That's how we become stronger. That's how we change and how we grow. I look back on the struggles I've had in my life 
And I can honestly testify that my understanding of the love of my Savior, my understanding of the power that is available to us, my understanding of the depth and breadth of the atonement of Jesus Christ would be so small in comparison to what it is now if I had not had to go through the wilderness, through the journey, through the struggles that I have had to go through. I know it. And I am deeply grateful. And I know I'm not the only one, not just from what we know in the scriptures, but from other people in their lives. We hear these stories in conference. We hear them from our loved ones. We learn about them as we associate with others or or go to, I went to women's conference. We heard many, many stories there. Every single one of us is on a different journey. I look often to my dad, his journey, his life story is just unbelievable. You know how I mentioned that I thought I would have a free pass? Well, if that were the case, my dad would have about 20 free passes. Think about, just take a minute and think about the most difficult challenge that you might ever face in your life or that you have faced in your life. Think about maybe your loved ones, the hard things that they go through. Many times one big thing happens and we see our friends and our family leave God, leave the church, get angry. They think if, if he really loved me, this, he wouldn't let this happen to me. I'm thinking about some friends who have lost children or have had them pass away. Ones who, when I say lost, I was thinking passed away, but, but you know, lost as in lost their testimonies and are leaving the, the iron rod, the straight and narrow path or the covenant path. Sometimes it's financial difficulty that people are the most afraid of, or relationship difficulty, all of these things, losing a loved one in poverty, not having enough to feed your family. All of these things are things my dad has dealt with in his life. Every single one. And so many times we have maybe one, maybe two. He's had all of them. And when people learn about his life, they're just amazed that he is still faithful. And yet when you talk to my dad, if you ever have the opportunity to talk to my dad, and I frequently do, he witnesses and teaches of Jesus Christ, of the plan of salvation, of continuing on in faith and of his hope for the promised land with every ounce of his being. He knows it's true. He knows God is there. He has experienced it and nothing will shake him from his testimony. And he looks forward to the ultimate promised land, which is to live and dwell with our heavenly father and heavenly mother, Jesus Christ, and especially with our loved ones forever in a state of never ending happiness, in a state of eternal bliss. He looks forward to that. He looks forward to being with his love, my mother, forever and to continue to associate and live among and with the other women he has loved, his second wife, who also passed away, and his third wife, who he is enjoying living together here with her in this life, this earth life currently. He knows it. He has experienced it through the hard things, through the journey. His wilderness has been so difficult, and perhaps yours has too. Mine has. And I've had those moments of darkness and doubt and fear, but the Lord always, always pulls me up out of the deep ocean 
and he blows the winds. He sends the winds that lead us to the promised land. This is what I love about this concept, this idea. If we keep the commandments, we shall prosper in the land. We shall prosper in our journey. We can prosper and make it to the promised land. And that means these journeys, some of them, they're small. They might just be a day. They might be an hour. They might be a few minutes. Other journeys take years. And then other journeys are our entire lifetime. We have journey upon journey upon journey. And as I look at those and I think about our Heavenly Father, we think about our Savior, this covenant journey. I also believe there's so much to this idea of the hero's journey. And I'm not going into that today, but I look back my life. I look at others that I know and I think like my dad, like a dear friend who has been suffering and struggling with her health for years and years. So many people going through so many difficult things and they are heroes. They are heroes in this journey. Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ will help you be the hero in your own journey. They will lead you. They will guide you. They will help you to promised land. I know this. I feel it is true. And I am so grateful for a loving Heavenly Father that doesn't give up on us, that continues to tell us and remind us, keep the commandments and you will prosper in the land. I will lead you. I will be with you. You will not be alone. I will send to you the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, who will help you, who will help communicate my will to you. And he will guide us on this journey and he will give us the journey. He will help us because sometimes we are called like Nephi to build a ship. What is your ship? What ship are you being called to build right now? Or maybe you've built the ship and you're on it. You had to get on the ship and you're in the midst of the journey. What is it? And how can you lean into the gospel and let Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ lead you and sustain you and support you as they did the Israelites, Nephi and Lehi and their family, the brother of Jared and the early saints who had to leave everything and take their trek across the country to come to what didn't appear to be a promised land, I'm sure, when they arrived. And yet it truly was and is and has become the promised land. All of it ties back into our covenants. So what can you do in your journey to be the covenant woman, the covenant daughter or son, the covenant child of God, so that he can bless you abundantly, so that he can prosper you and that you can do it with strength. I didn't even go into that, to do it stronger. We will get to that in another episode. But may you prosper in your journey, in your wilderness. My prayers are with you. I know God is with you. He will prosper you. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being faithful in your journey. And if you want some added help, again, with your personal revelation, with connecting with the Holy Ghost, then I invite you to go to prosperstronger.com and you can download the free tool, the free worksheet that I created from President Nelson's talk and from Richard D. Scott. It has blessed me so much on my journey and I offer it to you. And if it will help you, I hope you will enjoy it and use it. And I hope I'll get to associate with you longer as we join in another episode next time. And hopefully sometime we can meet in person and I can cheer you on. I hope you know you're amazing. You are wonderful. You are a beloved child of God and he is with you on your journey. 
Thank you for joining the Prosper Stronger podcast today. We hope that you have felt inspired and empowered. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. I also invite you to join me at prosperstronger.com where you will find free resources to help you grow and learn as well as join in our discussions where we go deeper into some of the things that we talk about here on our podcast. Remember that you are loved and cherished by Heavenly Father who wants you to prosper and thrive. Until next time, may you continue to cultivate covenant connections with God, with others, and with yourself, and find strength in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 